And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Tuesday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Lots to get to here on a Tuesday, and uh, it's going to be consumed, this discussion, by one name, because he's hosting a tournament this week down in the Bahamas, the Hero World Challenge, which they didn't play last year, of course, because of COVID-19. And this person uh, did... Really a great interview. It was fun to watch uh, with Henny Zuel, Golf Digest, and then just at his press conference here this morning down at the Hero World Golf Challenge. His name is Tiger Woods. It was great to see him. We're going to talk about him here on the podcast and to break it down, my man, dressed for winter, Will Haskett. How you doing? Hey, to everybody watching a video, I apologize. I am in full <laughs> off-season mode, so I get the invitation. I will do this podcast every day if I have to because I have availability, Travis, but I'm not dressing up for it. I'm just not. Yeah, I came too. straight from the gym, full hoodie. We got the hat. I mean, you, I mean you're at least branded properly. Yep. Like, shout out to my folks in the Michigan Tourism Department up there and our good friends at Scottsdale national. So I'm at least repping, I'm repping some, you know, loyalty sort of programs here, but no, just, just scrapping it together. Scrapping, still eating Thanksgiving leftovers, just getting <laughs> fat and ready to hibernate. Scottsdale national, that hat, we were out there together. We did uh, the college showcase event, which will be airing on golf channel. Don't miss it. Will and I were there with Aaron Oberhoser uh, and Lauren Thompson. We had four of the top collegiate players, two of the top, female collegiate players with Rob Riggle and Jerome Bettis. We can't get into it too much because we don't want to give things away. But what I can tell you is that the level of play was extraordinary yes. and it's going to be a really cool show to watch December 15th, 7 PM Eastern on golf channel. All right, let's get the tiger. Um, you know, I, I, I watched his interview with Henny watched his press conference. I'll start with the interview. Um, with Henny and I've got a few takeaways here and, and, you know, first and foremost, it was really cool to see tiger smiling. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was cool to see him, you know, looking as good as he did. He looked like he was in a great spot as much as he could be physically right with the rehab, but more importantly than that, mentally, he looked like he was in very good spirits. And I think that's where we got to start with tiger. That was good to see. It was good to see. We had about an hour worth of content from Tiger and maybe got four or five minutes worth of actual material and stuff that we can take away from it, which mm -hmm. makes at least talking about it pretty good because we kind of hit on a couple of points and we'll get into some of the stuff he said in the press conference. But yeah, for the most part, the number one thing was how is he doing and how is he feeling? Here's the thing about Tiger Woods. He was able to put himself into a position as a grinder, as a guy who was going to slay everybody and go there, go to a place mentally to get himself ready to compete at a higher level than anybody else that came alongside him. And we saw it at the 2019 Masters when he was the only guy that didn't wilt under the pressure on the back nine. I think now, just based off of what he has told us and giving us a little bit of transparency into his physical issues that come from this leg that was nearly amputated after the car crash back in February, is that he knows the physical limitations are going to almost make it impossible for him to get all the way back to whatever level it would take for him to compete on a big golf course against the best golfers in the world. So he, Travis, doesn't need to go to that place anymore. He doesn't mm -hmm. have to be the alpha dog killer in the room to win anymore because I don't think as he made the analogy to climbing Mount Everest, he doesn't expect to summit Mount Everest again in that extended metaphor that he did. So in that case, what is it now? It's gravy. Be happy. Enjoy the opportunity to be with your kids. Enjoy the opportunity to rehab and maybe get back out and see your friends and compete and have fun and jive a little bit on the range and rib people from here to there. But I think it's it's not a concession because it shouldn't have to be viewed that way. But it's definitely a guy who said, I don't expect to probably compete to win a major championship again. My goal is just to be able to get out, see my friends, have fun and play. And he can play whatever he wants to. Yeah. So that's what I really took away from it. Yeah. The hit and giggles he, he mentioned he can do now. Yeah. Um, is he going to play PNC in December? It's going to be fascinating no. to see. Well, how are we going there? Like, no. Yeah. I mean, what is he going to do? Like, I mean, well, I mean, it's. Or he gets takes Charlie's drives and putts. Didn't rule scramble. it out. Yeah, someone said PNC father son. And he didn't rule it out. He didn't say no, that's but true. you're not going to plan that. You know, Charlie's come on, dad, let's go. You know, he just, can't hit drivers. I mean, he just can't. Hit little like, I mean, out there. I, I mean, you he know? himself said that he is not capable of swinging a golf club with any velocity. Right. That would be sort of normal. He can't go to the back tees. Now, again, that's an event. You can you can move it up. 
Maybe there's some holes with driver where he doesn't have to. Charlie's a yeah. year older and playing some pretty good golf. So is he playing off of Charlie's shots? Like is Charlie playing? I mean, pardon the terrible pun. Is Charlie playing one legged, you know, all the way to the green and then tigers there for putts and chips. Like, I, I don't, I mean, I guess you could conceivably make that happen, but you know, him just gently, not a whole lot of rotation hitting wedges that we saw one video clip of as a far cry from four hours. Now he did say in his press conference, that he's played full holes that he has played golf. I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, yeah, it, I'm, it seems his word I'm, I'm surprised though. He didn't just shut it down. Um, right. When someone brought that up, but you know, look, let Tiger play from Charlie's tees. Who cares, right? Just get Tiger on site. Let him hit pitching wedge off the tee. I don't care. No one cares. PNC, father, son, they don't care. Just get them they there. Let them do whatever right. the hell he wants. And off we go, right? I mean, that's, yes. yeah, they're, they're, you know, I think the second takeaway for me, um, just in the, in the spirits and the mental health, which I think is first and foremost, and this is National Mental Health Day, by the way. Um, so. Secondly was there, the timeline is, is completely uncertain. We know the expectations are going to be coming way down. He's never going to play the tour again. He'll kind of pick the tournaments that he will want to play. How competitive schedule. Yeah. How competitive will he be? When will we see him for the first time? We don't know. He's got a long ways to go. And I'm paraphrasing. That's his words. Like there's a ways to go. I mean, he's still, nowhere near where he needs to be to create the speed. And I think when we do see Tiger again, cause I do think we will, I mean, I, I think he is on his way back. I think he will be out there again, playing in a competitive event. It might be at tournaments that we're not used to seeing. Now he's going to play colonial. He's going to play Harbor town because yes. you know, we don't know how far he's going to hit it. And that's how competitive he will be. How far can he hit it? I don't worry about him. His iron game will be fine. I mean, he's, the greatest iron player of all time His, like he already said, I like, I like his little comment. He's like, I can put and chip with these guys right now, (laughs) you know? So I'm not worried about that either. It's just how far is he going to be able to hit it off the tee? And that will determine how competitive he can be where that club head speed is. And no one knows the answer to that to right now, but I would think knowing tiger, he wants to be competitive and whatever that speed is, is where he'll go play. I tweeted this out last week when, or two weeks ago when the video surfaced. I want your opinion on this one. If Tiger Woods wanted to be competitive in any PGA Tour event, what is his, what's the minimum? What's the floor club head speed that he has to reach? Slowest on tour is 105. He had dipped yeah. two miles per hour from his 2019 run to the Masters to 2020 before injuries started to creep in again. He was down to, I think, 115-ish, which is still top half of the PGA tour at one fifteen, which is where he was pre accident. But again, he's getting older. His back now is taking more punishment because he's not able to to do the things he was doing before to help his back because of the leg. Like if he gets it at 106 miles an hour, like if he's, if he's Brian Stewart club head speed, he can still play. He can play. Right. Sure. I mean, why not have the slowest speed on tour and play? I mean, but does he need to have 110 in the can to be able to, I think there's a threshold there for Tiger. I I would, I think it's higher than 105 for him. I I think the threshold is going to be, I would guess 110, you know, like that's right. It just feels like he's not going to go out there at 104, 105. It's like, can I get this to 110 if I can? Okay. You know, now I can, now I can compete. I'm feeling good. Maybe bump it up to 113, but Cruising speed that requires force on the leg to be able to yeah. get to there. He's going to have to push off of that leg. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's what no one knows. Like how, how much is he going to be able to create in the way of speed? I mean, that's just, <laughs> he doesn't know the answer to that. No one knows the answer to that, but that'll determine how competitive he's going to be. Yeah. Uh, and particularly the major championships um, and these bigger tournaments that we're used to seeing him play in. Um, but you know, there's, there's other tournaments, obviously we know that are different. Um, there's not many of them left, but there's some that are a little more plotter oriented A to B. Um, and, but is he willing to play him? Yeah. Like, is I mean, he I think willing he's probably to willing to play Bay in a couple Muirfield, of them. Bay Hill and Muirfield village no longer fit a tiger no. woods. Who's on the bottom half of swing speed. No. But as you mentioned, you can go play Harbor town, 
you know, go to Mayakoba, take your kids to Mayakoba, have a good vacation and hit a ton of fairways and put irons in your hands. Like, but it's like Tiger Woods playing Mayakoba. That just doesn't fit the, no. the script. He's going to want to play Jack's tournament, Arnie's tournament. He's going to want to play these places, but he, you know, Tory. Like, I mean, how much history is a Tory? The world's worst golf course now for him. I mean, yeah, it, is. it couldn't get any worse than that one. So Riviera, probably. I mean, it's his tournament and that golf course you know, length really helps there. But I guess I mean, it's just it's going to be really hard for him to, to pick and choose. I mean, Augusta is going to be a really difficult walk. You got to be able to He'll move play the players. Augusta. Players is not yeah. long. He'll play here at TPC. Yeah. True. yeah. Um, hey, he'll play at Harbortown. Why not? I'll, I'll watch the two iron stinger all day. Is he's really going to play Harbor Town though? I mean, if he picks, if you're like Tiger Woods yeah. is going to do an eight tournament, bring the schedule, boat up. I, bring the yeah, boat up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I just don't see him deviating from course so much because he recognizes the strategy that has to go into it. I think he's going to play Masters, U.S. Open, you know, the marquee events, Riviera, and a few of those things, and then I, I, I guess maybe, yeah. Harbor Town, great. Let's pencil him in. That'd be back to back weeks, though. He's going to play back to back weeks. Yeah, that's true. On the leg. Well, the tour will change that. There you go. Okay, we'll move it. <laughs> They're dialing it up right now. Hey, Tiger, if you come back, this is back to back. We're going to make the call. We're going to try to RBC's switch. RBC is dialing it up right now. RBC is oh, like, let's go. Let's move this bad boy. We can already, absolutely. We can see the future. We're pivoting this thing to two weeks after the Masters. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. No one knows the answer. It's just you know, look. He's captivating. Um, he's the greatest player, certainly of our generation, him and Jack one and one a, however you want to put it. Um, and um, man, you know, he, you could see the pain talking about how difficult it, it was to lay there in your bed for three months and yeah. not do anything. That's, that's tough. You know, that's, that's a, that's tough physically and mentally. Um, and now he's moving around. He's walking on his own. Um, you know, he's got a little giddy up, but uh, he's on the right track and you can kind of sense that there are some setbacks in any rehab um, if you've gone through it, but man, five knee surgeries, five back surgeries, and now this right leg. I mean, my goodness, his body um, is experienced when it comes to rehabbing. And as he quoted his, his triceps are jacked. And that's important because he's been walking around his crutches. His house is big, take some breaks. You know, I might, you know, I might just go ahead and get some crutches and start working my tries right now. <laughs> I just put mine in storage from a knee injury this summer. And trust me, my tries were not <laughs> jacked after trying to walk around on crutches. I think it was more bruises in my armpits than it was muscle tone on my arms. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Hero World Challenge. His tournament down in the Bahamas, one of my favorite places. Mm -hmm. Love the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. Now, the people from the Bahamas are the best looking people in the world. I mean, they're just beautiful happy. people. And they're happy. happy beautiful, like move the Bahamas. Like if I had to go somewhere, like that's where I would move. It's awesome place. Love watching yeah. this tournament. Who's the defending champ? I was talking about this on the podcast yesterday, a little trivia, the defending champ who won this two years ago. He has great value in Henrik Stenson. The Swede won this tournament two years ago and is the lowest price player on the board. If wow. you're looking at it from a DFS standpoint this week, which is just kind of incredible. It's been two long years. And even then, I think that win was kind of caught people a little bit off guard. But yeah, $6,000 on DraftKings this week for one Henrik Stenson. And my boys over at Data Golf still have that as the worst value in the field. How about that? <laughs> Henrik Stenson at 6000 is the worst value on TFS this week. Sorry, Henrik. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was looking that up. I was doing some research on it and I pulled up like, that's right. Henrik Stenson did win this. I was like, no, no, I'll come over to my he's other getting computer. paid this week. He's making money to play golf this week. He, he's making money. He's making money to play good field. Um, two guys that are there to play a little match. Bryce, Bryce and DeChambeau versus Brooks Cap. Did you watch it? Did not. Um, I was actually planning on it and it was over so quickly. Remember people were so excited. Oh, 12 hole matches is exactly what these need. Cause they drag on for too long. I was like, yeah, but it's just two guys. So two yeah. guys and a guy wins four and three and it's like, whoa, it, it's over. It was over before I could even turn on the TV and see if there's any drama sort of down the stretch. So I wouldn't say that I was guaranteed I was going to watch it. But when all of a sudden Twitter was telling me that it, it wasn't even close, that Brooks was in far better form. Uh, no, I did not watch it. I feel as if the Brooks Bryson 
situation jumped the shark many months before this match ever came right. here. That's what I said yesterday. I was like, look, okay, if this is because you get the whole contingency that this is good for the game, it's going to grow the game because yeah. it's going to get new eyeballs. Okay, so I go down that path. I see it, you know, on a FS1 show, like a Colin Cower show. Who doesn't talk golf? I see it on an ESPN show that normally doesn't show a ton of golf. Yes. Right. I'll give you that. I see it showing up there. So you got this audience. Huh, that's interesting. I'm not a golfer. I don't watch golf, but I like conflict. I like tension. I like, yes. right. I like people that I like this stuff in sports, right? People there that that's what they like they, and, they, and they follow that and golf doesn't have that. So it doesn't appeal to them as one example of why they may not watch or play the sport. So Right. Here, this comes across new audience. Interesting. I might tune in. Mm -hmm. Next tournament they're at, not paired together. Next tournament, one of them's playing, the other isn't. Like they're just the, the it just it just passed by. Like there was, I can't remember the tournament where they were at, but the tour didn't pair them together. The tour certainly didn't see that as an avenue to grow Travelers. the game and bring more eyeballs in yeah. because they didn't lean in. They just let it go, and they were like, "No, you're in the morning." You're in the afternoon. Yep. Come and gone, right? I mean, it, it was at that point, those eyeballs like, okay, I'm gone. Yeah. And, but it, again, it's like, it still has to come to a head in competition. Like, are they going to be, you know, warring down the stretch? Like, do they have a chance to beat each other? You know, that was kind of what we were hoping that we would get out of it in those few months that kind of came after it. And I'm with you on even the lead up to the match. It was something different, you know, interspliced around all the football that everybody's crazed to watch and all the great college games that we had over the past week. And so maybe it does attract a different type of viewer. But and that's great for the advertisers. That's great for Turner Sports. That's great for everybody that's putting it on to be able to have different eyeballs. And you can maybe monetize this thing a little bit. And the players obviously walked away with the fatter stacks in their pockets. And so most people involved with it won in some sort of way. Is it good for the golf? Is it good for the professional golf's brand? I don't really know. I, I think maybe there's a chance to capitalize on it in the middle of the summer. But then things just got kind of weird. And I don't really know if you look back at 2021 and say that either Brooks Kepka or Bryson DeChambeau came out on top in general. If it, if we look at it just in terms of mentions, just in terms of impressions, then yeah, both of them had a pretty good year because they were in the consciousness, but it definitely rattled Bryson at various stages. The Brooksy stuff got to him. There are a lot of things that having the spotlight on him really rocked his cage multiple times throughout the course of the year. And the Ryder cup was really his chance to save what was a, a really bad four or five month stretch of PR. And then Brooks, who I think was kind of a positive wave and all of it just also is really good at self-inflicted damage when it doesn't come to maybe what he's controlling on his social media channel. So yeah, it just, I don't think it ever, there wasn't a likability one way or the other for either guy. So you didn't have this good versus evil thing that really drew in not just non-golf fans, but then those of us who are there every day, like it wasn't something that we were really interested in following and tracking. So I feel it kind of fizzled and then a four and three win and a 12 hole match was just kind of the appropriate way because it was like, wow, this happened really fast. It's over. And now we're all ready to move on. <laughs> Those are some good point. <clears throat> Those are some good points there. Um, I think I would push back a little bit with Bryson. I, I think, I do think Bryson came out on the better end of this and got the better end of Brooks through his play in the Ryder cup and then continuing on with the long drive competition long the drive, next yeah. week. I think Bryson came out on the better end. And I think people are looking at Brooks like, you know, Brooks is Brooks. He comes across, he's brash. He's arrogant. Some people doesn't bother him. Um, but I think in the end, Brooks kind of looked a little silly, you know, a little bullish in the way that he went about this early and Bryson, of course. Yeah. The spotlight, he didn't handle it well. Um, I think he showed some of his, his immaturity. I think a lot of people would have um, during that stretch. But I think in the end, Bryson's probably grown from this the most and played great golf at the Ryder Cup, was dominant, and then continue on from that PR standpoint in the long drive and his passion towards that and what that means. And that's fun to watch. Huge numbers watching that. So I just think Bryson, if he can keep this momentum, I think has position himself and has shown a lot of growth um, through this. But yeah, I mean, to sit down and watch, like there's this real 
problem now between these two. I think they probably generally don't like each other and they can certainly live without each other. I think Brooks certainly has more of an ill will towards Bryson than probably the other way, but I'm not quite sure Brooks really likes anybody to be quite honest with you. I mean, he's just saying Bryson can't show up and then say, I I didn't play for two months coming into this match. You just can't do that. That's another one of those sort of, so again, like I I'm, I'm with you. I think the PR was definitely turning in his favor. And then you show up and you get waxed and you sort of admit that you didn't care enough about this event to even work a little bit. Like, just keep that to yourself. Yeah. But that's just another example of like, yeah. come on, recognize and read the room and understand what needs to be said right here. If you really want people to sort of buy into this. And I completely agree with you on the Brooks side of it. But I think those are the little things yeah. and some of the kind of quirky things and some of the the social media like oversteps too. Like, I mean, he would take some pretty big pot shots at Brooks. You know, and it's like, really, you don't have to be that petty. Like, I understand that it's kind of all in good fun, but it's like, you just don't have that comedic sense or that, or that ironic touch to be able to sort of make it fun and needle. And Mm -hmm. that's why Brooks Kepka wants to roll his eyes and gets caught on camera rolling his eyes about Bryson. Cause it's like, look, like, look, are you see like, I can't walk past the locker, uh, you know, past this guy in the locker room and be like, like, I don't want to hang out with him. He's like awkward and weird. And that's fine. That's totally fine if that's what you're into. But again, neither one of them really sees the opportunity to, I think, have this legion come behind him. I know Brooks is tight, you know, is really tight in. He wants to be a a barstool personality. That's kind of his lane. Mm -hmm. And he used that connection to sort of create the whole Brooksy thing. But that in and of itself sort of defeated the, the chance that he had to make this a positive Brooks moment. Cause I think within golf circles, it was like, dude, that was really tacky and uncalled for. And you created something that made a lot of players super uncomfortable and super upset. That's what ended up happening when it came to a head at the BMW championship. Yeah. I think, you know, with Bryson, I mentioned this yesterday, you look at Bryson going in the next season now. And of course he's playing this week, you know, how much, you know, he's obsessed with his driver. We know that. And I I talked about, you know, look, he's probably only been hitting his driver for the last six weeks, just basically welling on his driver as hard as he can. How much of the rest of his game is he going to neglect? Because the reality for Bryson is this, he can dominate the PGA tour with his length. And we've seen it when he keeps it in front of him. He's a great putter. Question is, is approach game going to be good enough? And his short game we know is one of the worst in the PGA tour. Now you can get by on, on the PGA tour with a bad short game and still win, but is he going to spend the time needed to elevate his approach game to maybe improve the short game? Because the next step for Bryson now at this length is to win often yep. and to win more major championships and anything less than that is going to look like a failure. Can he, whittle it down now and do all the necessary things in his game. In addition to maintaining, yes, the length in his driver, it's impressive, but every video I see, everything I see him doing, he's just wailing on his driver over and over and over and over again. So I got Chris Coma coming on the podcast later in December. That's gonna be one of my questions. I'm going to ask him, give me the reality here of how this time is being allocated because yeah, you know, Length check, putting check. Is he doing what he needs to be doing in the middle now to take the next step as a player and win multiple times and get on another major championship victory? Yeah, he actually gained from two seasons ago to this past season in strokes gained approach. He was about three tenths of a shot better last season. Now, a lot of that is early season when he was really, really good. We know the around the green stuff. I'm still just, I I still am shocked that he just doesn't put one short wedge in the bag. Like what? Just one, just like, just put one wedge that isn't, what is it? Six iron length, seven iron length into the bag, just to have, you know, to have it around sort of the greens. The putting is going to be really interesting. There are two completely different trains of thought going into 2022 without greens reading books about Bryson DeChambeau. If you listen to people close to Bryson DeChambeau, they actually think that it's an advantage because all of the work that he puts in studying and understanding these greens, even though he won't have a book that has all of the elevation and stuff on it, that the amount of work that he puts in will help him have a gap amongst those who don't adapt and learn very quickly. Then there's the other side of thought there with his putting, which is without that quote unquote crutch 
many feel many people feel that he leans on that too much in his process of putting that you're going to see a dip because that's really the thing that I don't think gets enough credit. He was 20th on the PGA Tour last year in strokes game putting. He was 10th the year before on the PGA Tour in strokes game putting. He's been top 30 for the last four seasons on the PGA Tour in strokes yeah, game putting. Putter. After arriving on tour, is not a very good putter. Right. He has turned himself into a world class putter. Taking away the book in 2022 is that no no marginal gain does he go does it taking it away give him an edge and all of a sudden he's two tenths of a shot better does he go back to the mean and all of a sudden he's losing half a shot per round on the greens that's a huge difference in what happens and we'll find out you know pretty early when we start getting some measurable rounds from bryson so in the field we've got uh, we we talked about bryson there's brooks uh cantley spieth morikawa hovland answer mcelroy's in the field daniel berger jt miss <laughs> So who's who here? You know, I mean, there's, yes. there's a, there's a lot of big names playing this week. It'll be fun to watch. I want to start with Colin Morikawa. Colin wins this week. Uh, he's the new number one player in the world. If he, if he wins this week, of course he, he wins the race to Dubai uh, in Europe and played three tournaments outside of the four major championships and the three WGCs. That's a whole nother conversation. Strategic partnership. Um, but here's Morikawa. You know, best ball striker, um, at least from an iron game perspective, you know, talking about what the approach game can do. He's a, a situational putter. It shows up. And when it does, he wins. And here he is. Um, young American with a win can be them become the number one player in the world. Do you think he gets there? Maybe not this week, but is it inevitable here uh, in the first part of next season? I, I think so. Um, just because we've, we, you just can't count him out now. I mean, six right. serious wins in his young professional career. And I think he kind of leads this week in the, the motivational category, right? I mean, a chance to become number one, every single guy in the field in a silly season event like this one has different levels of motivation. There are guys that have not played very good golf over the last year and a half that are towards the bottom of this field list. We mentioned Hendrick Sinton, Justin Rose, who has had success here in the Bahamas and obviously knows the place really well. Doesn't live here anymore. I don't believe, I think he moved back to England, but made it, had a residence here for a long period of time. There's some guys that have motivation, but at the top of the board, when we're talking about those six, seven, eight elite players in this field, in terms of motivation, I think he's kind of number one. Like I, I thought Justin Thomas, because of his connection to Tiger Woods, mm-hmm. how important it would be for him to win this event, especially yesterday in that interview. And, you know, he was kind of called out in name about how close the, the two of them have become. So I think there's a guy that would just love a win like this to sort of give him momentum going into 2022. But it's just hard for me not to look at Colin Morikawa. And then the other one, I think in that, and these happen to be the three highest priced guys on the board is Roy McIlroy. Dude ripped his shirt. He was so angry the last time he played a competitive golf tournament. And this golf course is perfect for him. So in terms of strokes gain motivation coming into this week as well, uh, you know, I think you can throw those three guys in the hat. It's going to be an interesting battle. I've got some other names I think could be near the top, but I would not be surprised if the top three players coming into this Rory, Colin and Justin find their way to the top of the board sometime on Sunday. Look at Morikawa's stats from the year. It's amazing how good of an iron player he is. It's just silly. Silly. Plus seven, plus eight, consistently strokes gain approach. Um, you know, and, and as I said, situational putter. I mean, you look at him, you go back to, uh, so he wins WGC Mexico and he's positive four. I mean, the tournament before that, he lost 7.6 putting at the Genesis. Mm-hmm. And then the next week he shows up, putts well, wins. Um, same thing. Leading into the open, he had a run of five of six tournaments, all in the negative, negative two, negative three. I mean, just, you know, typical Morikawa stuff. Shows the open putts, well, wins. Um, you know, he, there he is in the tour championship, negative four, five. And then he shows up at CJ Cup, positive 3.8, almost wins. So, you know, second. I mean, it's just that's when he putts well, he finishes first or second. I mean, that's just, this is kind of what it is when you're, dominating iron game approach game um, like he does. So yeah, I think it's, yeah, more Cowboys, I think going to get there, whether it's this week. Um, I don't know if it'll be this week, but he's certainly on track. The game is moving at a pace for him right now. Everything is just, it's under control. I'm okay with where the putter's at. We'll keep incrementally getting better. But when you can strike your, when your irons are that polished, if the putter shows up at all, you have a chance to win at all. Oh. Um, 
beat the field average and he's he's top three. Beat the field yeah. average in putting and he's top three. And he's top three. It's almost guaranteed. Yep. Some other names in the field. Let's let's go bigger picture, not just this week for a second. Okay. I'm going to give you a name and I want you to tell me if this player will have a better season coming up in 2022 or a worse season in 2022 than what they just had here in 2021. The first one will be Jordan Spieth. Last year, 2021 season, he had his win. We know that. He had two seconds. He had two thirds. And he had nine top tens. Jordan Spieth made his return back to the big stage last year. Fast forward, he's in the field this week, in the 2022. Does he top that? Uh, yes, he does. Uh, I, I don't. It's weird because the top that what? It probably takes two wins. Yeah, coming two wins. Yeah. You know, the, the top fives were really impressive to me. I think what's really crazy to think about is that what we saw from Jordan Spieth in 2015 and 2017, when he was the best player, arguably, in the world, and did everything that he did is like now we watch him and it's not even me taking the scar tissue that we saw the issues that we found in his game it's just you look at the makeup of who jordan speed is as a player and you just can't think of him like if, if he just came out of college right now mm-hmm. no background whatsoever jordan speed the player he is right now do you think he's got the makeup to be a number one player in the world like I don't think so. it no. does it in a throwback sort of way, you know, generational talent on and around the greens, a little sketchy off the tee and really good with his irons, but it can be a little bit streaky. He was great with his irons in 15 and 17. So again, like we've seen, you know, what he can be at sort of the peak, but I really wonder if that, have we already seen the ceiling? Can he get back to the ceiling? Yes. But is there room beyond the ceiling? And you have to almost have room beyond that ceiling to be John Rom or to be even Colin Morikawa in some senses because of how incredibly good his iron play is. So it, based off of history, I think you will have a better season next year because I like the confidence. I like the swagger. I like things that are going and trending in the right direction for Jordan Spieth. But it's really sad to think that we may never see 2015 Jordan Spieth in terms of results because I just think that there are probably always going to be three or four guys who are better at the top of the sport that I think he can even even achieve back to, which is really, it's crazy for me to think. But no, to answer your question in a really long-winded way, I think he will have a better season next year. I think that there's a lot. I think that he grinds. I think that he can put on the competitive juices almost better than anybody else. And right now he's playing with a whole head of steam. So yeah, I think we see some good things from Jordan Spieth next year. I would probably say, you know, it, it, I think it's going to depend on uh, clearly his driver. Um, that's what it'll come down to if he can... If he can drive the ball well, the gains we saw in his iron game, um, we know we, we know he checks the box short game. He checks the box putting. He, yeah, I, I think it's realistic to think that he can get uh, two wins. It's interesting, though, like you look at him during the season when he had the win at Valero back in April. He was third at the Masters, uh, ninth at the Byron, just, you know, second at the Schwab. I mean, just really nice run of golf here. Yeah. Um, second at the Open. And... Then, you know, he really didn't finish the season that well. Like he kind of, you know, his iron, his iron game kind of fell off a little bit there late. And then he went to work there and we haven't seen him since the CJ cup. We haven't seen him in, you know, a month and a half. So I'm really curious to see where the club is at the top. You know, I talked about Jordan, this reverse engineering approach. They just basically said, look, don't worry about what's happening up here. Just here's, you know, where do you want to be when you want to hit this shot? And it's like, okay, I want to be right here. Okay, we'll hit, do it. And as they did that, he started to kind of keep the ball in front of him and they started to build confidence and they weren't so worried about what was happening up here. And then as he went down this path, it's like, damn, he's playing better. It's in front of him. His confidence is building, but the club is pointing so far left at the top that his coach, I'm sure was like, oh my shit, you know, like (laughs) I can't do anything because he's, he's playing better. Yeah. Right. So Fast forward, he's had a month and a half. I've seen a couple of videos come out. I mean, the club is definitely much more down the line. I mean, they're working technically. Yes. Turn, club shaft. Okay, and now let's be instinctive from there. So there's definitely been this technical side that's been cleaned up. Um, 
So I'm fascinating to see, does it look like that in competition this week or does it just kind of revert and where that takes the driver? I'll say, no, I don't think he gets there. I, I think, I think we've seen the best from Jordan. I think he gives up a lot off the tee. I think he'll get a win. I think something similar to what we saw. Um, but I'll, I'll say, no, he doesn't get the two wins next year. You know, I think it's, you make a lot of fair points there. And I think what you also brought up is the run of form that he was on. So third round of the U S open, he had a plus six strokes gain approach round in that tournament. It was the best single round iron performance of Jordan Spieth's career from a strokes gain standpoint. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time is 50 round moving average. Again, all this stuff to my boys at data golf. Thanks. Thanks to those guys. I steal all my stuff from them. I was at the yep. shout. Um, his moving average for 50 rounds was pretty much what he did in 2017, which was his best ball striking year. So we saw Jordan Spieth get to a ball striking level this past year that matched pretty much anything he'd ever done from a ball striking standpoint in his career. And you mentioned the off the tee stuff is there. So that's what I'm saying. Like we almost saw ceiling talent level Jordan Spieth this past summer. And it probably should have been two wins, maybe three, if things kind of fall the right way. Ran into a buzzsaw of Morikawa at the Open Championship. So Jordan was on the precipice of winning a second clear at Jug. You know, Jason Kokrak and he were, you know, at five shots clear of the field at Colonial and kind of ran into, you know, call it unlucky, call it whatever you want. Probably should have won more than one time last year the way that he was playing golf. But I don't know. I just, I feel like that he knows that and there's an opportunity for him to probably turn one of those into another win. So if we're measuring it by wins, I think he can get multiple wins next year on the PGA okay. tour. All right. Second name. This might be kind of easy, but maybe not. Patrick Cantley had four wins last year, four wins. Can he get back to that? Or it's going to be under that you're saying. Yeah. It's gotta be under that. I right. look, I love the game. He's a load management guy. We're not going to see a lot of them. So I think with, you know, you sort of factor that in it's, and he's going to play big events. Um, I love everything that we learned about Patrick Cantlay in that run up to being a FedEx cup champion. He yep. took his, he took his moment of being the focus of the game and gave us some incredibly thoughtful press conferences and sound bites and perspective and amazing things. Like I, I'll never, I'll always remember 2021 is the year of Patrick Cantlay. But again, that's a really hard bar to continue to go at when every single day is a battle against his own body and always sort of will be. So I just, it's, it's very unsustainable to me. So just by law of averages, no, but again, I think he's one of the smartest guys when it comes to picking his spots. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this week with all the guys that are taking money to go play in Saudi Arabia coming up in February, guess where he's going to be. He's going to be at Pebble beach. You know why? Because it fits him perfectly. He loves it there. He loves the vibe. I'm not saying that for sure. I don't know if he's committed, but it just, he he's played great there. Like he's going to pick spots that just match what his game does. And he's going to be successful at it and probably be on tour for a really, really long time playing 20 events or less every single year. You know, the name that um, those are all fair points. I tend to agree. Four wins is a just yeah, an no. astronomical year. I mean, you know, wins BMW wins a tour championship Memorial. Um, what am I missing? Zozo? Uh, yeah. Beginning uh, yeah, of the year. Yeah. yeah so yeah. So, wrap around. So he won yeah, the wrap three around. times so, in calendar 2021 and one time late in 2020. Just a crazy run. Patrick Cantlay, man, I, I just don't think he gets the credit just how damn solid he is from driver through putter. There are no weaknesses and it's no tough flaws. to say that with players. There is not many players that you can say that guy doesn't have a weakness. Um, you know, he, Bryson, what's his weakness? Short game. This next guy I'm going to ask you, Justin Thomas, what's his weakness? His putter. You know, so John Rahm doesn't have a weakness. Colin Morikawa has a weakness. He does. You know, it it, it goes bad. His putting, it's not consistent at all. But when it shows up, like dude wins, you know, but most players have a weakness and Patrick Cantley doesn't. And and there's not many. It's a, it's a short list. And I want to go to this final name here, Justin Thomas, who you mentioned I'm sure would love to win this tournament. Really good friends with Tiger. Um, it was kind of funny, you know, it was, it was kind of cute. I guess the comment of, you know, Justin is a little brother that Tiger never had. And, and then Justin is the big brother that Charlie doesn't have. Mm-hmm. So there's a great relationship there. I'm sure he would love to win this. You know, Justin wins the players last year. And then it was, um, it was bumpy you know, after that and largely because of the putter, we make a lot about 
guys that take on swing changes and change coaches and this and that. And and sometimes it's like, for why, you know, why are you now doing this? What, why Rory are you chasing distance all of a sudden, you know, why all of a sudden from Bannon, you go to Cowan and then quickly now he's back to Bannon. It's like, why do these things happen? And with Justin, it was on the putting side, his longtime person that's helped him with his putter. It was Matt Killen. Good friend of his in Nashville, um, yeah, just worked. I mean, Justin putting good, you know, again, I think during that stretch really didn't have a weakness. He goes to John Graham, who's a good putting coach, but just makes the change. And all of a sudden it's like, what the hell am I watching right now? I mean, like the guy's missing the hole from four feet. So Justin Thomas, better year this year than last. Can he get the putter turned around? You see the technique. I just see the results. You know, I'm not much of a swing guru or a stroke guru, but I, again, I tell people this all I've watched Justin Thomas play more golf than any other player in the PGA tour in my PGA mm-hmm. tour radio career. Like he's just the guy I draw him all the time. And you're right. The five footers terrify me watching Justin on the golf course. It's just, it is like, I'm just waiting there with clipboard over my microphone, just you know, ready to call a miss from three and a half or four feet that kind of derails around. He, um, his interview with no laying up at the end of the year was really, really good. It was one of the more introspective, I thought, um, or reflective pieces that I've heard from a pro, uh, you know, in a while in terms of opening up about struggles about this past year, about recognizing that 2021 was a, was a down year for him, even with the players championship trophy. And a lot of it had to do with headspace. And we talk about mental health and he has nothing to really you know, say is, has dragged him down, but it was his own sort of attitude, his own sort of negativity, his own being caught up in things. There was certainly the beginning of the year and the fallout of the open mic incident that happened to him in Hawaii that I think affected right. him pretty negatively. And, and he got caught up on a lot of those things. And I think there's another podcast for another time to discuss what he truly learned from that experience and how he could have reacted from it, but it definitely had an impact on him, the loss of his grandfather, all these things. And then all of a sudden he's going to the golf course, with just kind of smoke coming out of his ears as opposed to embracing the opportunity and really loving things. So does he flip the switch and find things positive from a mental standpoint? And does that then lead to not missing a couple of putts here or there? I say, yes, he's too good. And he's too much of a bulldog to only win once on the PGA tour in a year. I think this is the easiest one of the three you gave me. There's no doubt in my mind, he wins multiple times in 2022. It just has to happen. I disagree with you on Spieth. We're on the same page, can't lay, and but I agree with you on on JT that that he'll find it. You know, he'll 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 turn it around and get the putter going. And the one thing you know with JT when he finds it with the putter, I mean, my goodness, the guy is the the, the guy is the definition of a streaky putter. I mean, yes. he is that definition. Like we say, he's it like become hey, he's a bit of a streaky putter. driver too. Have you know? I mean, it, the yeah. driving numbers have dipped too. Like he's got to get rid of the the quick hook from time to time, and a few things that get him in trouble. He brings numbers into play now more than he used to as well. So those those are the little things that I just sort of see. But again, I think if it's focus oriented in his mind, he thinks it's focus oriented, not execution. Then I just think a clean slate reset to twenty twenty two is going to really help him. You know, the guy that I just, and I'll finish with this, you know, one more name here, Victor Hovland, who's playing as well. And it's going to be on the podcast, by the way, I've been DMing him, so I'm really excited about that. Nice. Um, you know, he, he's, he's just, I, I think I cheer perhaps more for Victor Hovland than just about anybody on the PGA tour, just because I like the kid so much. Um, yep. And his short game, we know, is his weakness. And it was, and then it got better. And I, he's working with Jeff Smith and it was a really good podcast. We talked about a lot of the changes that he made and you can see there's huge changes in his technique. And it just kind of fell off again a little bit. And it came back and he wins my Coba and, you know, but my Coba's little cushier lies ball. Sit, that's different. You know, like almost like the ball's damn near teed up on, on the grass in my Coba versus what they're going to see at the Bahamas and others where you get that ball kind of settling down and you got to nip it and it's a, you got to be more precise. So I just, we know driver iron check, check. And when I see a great ball striker and I just know, just give me a little bit of a flicker with the, with the short game and the putter, like got a chance to win. And, yep. and to me, you know, he's not Victor Hovland with the irons, but he's probably, he's right there with JT. 
He's probably a better driver of the ball than JT. Can he do enough with the putter? You think Hovland takes, just keeps moving forward here, more wins, a bigger win perhaps other than Mayakoba and uh, the OHL. We need that. We need that, that signature win. Don't we now like let's, let's win the, let's win the Memorial, right? Let's take the next step. Like Cantley did. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think it's it's still a wait and see because we want to see it against a really, really solid field right. on a big ballpark. You know, if if you're looking at a guy to, to get you made cuts, like that's your guy. Yes. You know, I think yes. uh, it's a steal from Rick Gaiman, who had done a really bunch of fun stuff the last couple of weeks when Colin Morikawa won again. And it was if you bet $100 on Colin Morikawa every single week to see turn professional, you're up like 14 grand or something like that because, uh, you know, the way that he's delivered. I almost feel like Hovland could end up slotting into some of those spots, you know, over the next couple of years, like the floodgate will open and he'll have a three win season, but he'll still be a guy that's going to come off the boards most weeks, you know, not top five, not top six in terms of the odds against some of the bigger names in the sport. But you're right. Like you want, unlike Colin Morikawa, you still want, there's a tiny amount of prove it left. Yeah. It doesn't sound fair, but it, it is like, let's, Mm -hmm. You know, let's go big boy ballpark. Let's go pressure moments. I want to see you hit a pitch shot off of tight Bermuda, you know, when the pressure's on the line late in the tournament. That, that's still sort of the question mark that he has gotten so much better at. I mean, it was a problem early and he's gotten so much better at chipping, but we see it kind of creep up from time to time. And when he doesn't hit 80% of his greens, that could be a little bit of a problem. So, you know, look, he's going to win next year. Like there's no doubt yeah. he's already won this yeah. season technically on the PGA tour. He's going to win again next year. The question is in what field does it happen? Any other names you throw out there to kind of look at? We're not talking about, you know, like we talked a lot Sam about Burns. Sam Burns here on the Sam podcast Burns, over the last year. Sam Burns, Sam yeah. Burns, more, more of Sam Burns, please. Do you know and what Taylor Gooch and approach was numbers a player? Are right now? What's that? Do you know what Sam Burns strokes gain approach numbers are right now on the PGA tour? What? I mean, it's a small sample size. He's at a one point. He's, plus 1.145 right now in his 16 measured rounds on the PGA tour this season. He has gone from negative strokes gain approach two seasons ago to last year, 30th on tour to now, you know, one of the guys in rarefied air again, small sample size at plus one or above right now. So a guy who was a driver and a putter who's now added irons to his game. uh, I mean, he, he could win easily win this week. I mean, I think he's, you know, probably if I, you know, if I'm pick, picking the win guys, I talked a lot about the Rory Colin JT sort of motivation factor. I like Tony Finau a lot this week, but I think Sam Burns ends up in my top five guys that I picked to win this golf tournament this I week. Agree. Like he's just playing at a completely different level. You know, the other guy that I really cheer for is Taylor Gooch. I was, he's been on the pod a couple of times. Good dude. And I was really stoked to see him. Um, Taylor Gooch, good dude. Man. He's, yeah, he's a good guy. He made the, he made a good choice. I think going over to Boyd Summer Hayes, you can see, some maturity there, I think, is Taylor Gooch um, as a player. And um, so that's been cool to see. I think last name, kind of just thinking ahead here in the next year, or maybe not that. I like Mito, like Mito Pereira. I think he, he kind of, you know, he's that, he's that pure ball striker that I look at, I get excited. It's like, just give me a little bit with the putter and we're going to be right there with a the chance to win. He's, he's done it on the Corn Ferry Tour. I think that's a, as, as bullish as we were bullish with Burns when he came out, we've talked a lot of Gooch. I think the next name I would throw out there now is Mito. That's the one that that I'm really excited about to watch next year. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's two sort of camps, right? The guy who's going to break through next, or who is the guy that really impressed this fall that then could take it even a bigger level next year? You know, like Sung JM's back nine uh, in Vegas was a thing to behold, and sort wow. of reminded you of when this guy you know gets it. I remember he almost won a you know fall masters uh, that it could be a totally different experience for him. So like mm-hmm. that turned my head. That was one of the few like head turning things was all of a sudden there's a competitive golf tournament and we flipped and we're like, wait, wait a second. He's got a yeah. nine shot lead or I mean, it wasn't that, but you know, it felt like it was right. And we were just trying to get to the end because the tournament was over because that's how dominant he got. He's slimming down a little bit. There's yeah. a level of, you know, commitment that's there. He's already, he's still so stinking young. That's what people don't you know, realize about some of these guys, even like a Joaquin Neiman, who was kind of flashing yeah. towards that. I felt like that this time last year, and then maybe just didn't have you that we expected, but Sung JM is still so young, still kind of coming into a lot of his things and just is an absolute consistent flusher off the tee with that driver. I, I just feel like there's, there's a big tournament coming for Sung JM next year too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right. Good stuff. Covered some ground there. Uh, man, it's 
what is it? December 1st tomorrow? Yeah, it's December 1st it yeah. tomorrow. And we're we're talking about professional golf like it's right in the middle of the summer or something. I mean, it just it never ends. And in some ways, it's a good thing. It gives us something to talk about. But I, I do plan on doing this. I, I've been trying to, you know, take a little time more away. I didn't watch the match. I'll probably watch a little this week, but you know, I, I don't think I'll watch the shark shootout. Not for the obvious reasons, but um, I don't think I'll watch that. I'll watch a little of the PNC. If Tiger's playing, I'll definitely watch. I'll probably drive down and, and be there if he's playing. Um, the we got to get away. Shootout is the old shark here in December, but I promise you this, when we fire it back up in January, we'll, we'll, we'll I want to get you on a, on as much as we can. Cause uh, you're great. And I appreciate your insight always. Hey, the QBE shootout is taking place. The shark shootout is going to be whatever this whole who's spending money to steal player. That's going to be the real shootout that we're going to be watching coming up in the next couple of months. We didn't even get into that. Yeah. We'll come, we'll, we'll figure out where that, where the dust settles on that one. We'll talk about yeah, it we'll, um, later next year. Let's let the next, let, let's let the next chapter take place here. Right. Yeah. Premier league, super league. I did this big thing on describing what both leagues were on the podcast last week, just to kind of, give people that they're two separate ones and here's where they yep. stand. Let's let the next chapter unfold and then we'll come back on and we'll, we'll break that down. I think in the end though, in closing, um, I mean, obviously the PGA tour is taking this very seriously, but I think it's going to strengthen the tour um, in the way that this money is going to hit the, the stars pockets for sure. No, there's no question. And everybody knows that my relationship with the tour is pretty strong. And I, I think their product is in a good position. Yeah. There's a lot of things coming in 2022 from a yep. fan engagement standpoint in terms of being able to see golf. So it's hard to really see a viable threat. But you know what? It's uh, it's it's done enough to really empower the top players in the game. And they're all getting paid handsomely coming up this year, next year and in the future. So it's really good if you're on top of the game of golf and we love talking about those guys. So, all right, buddy, we'll, we'll do it again right, soon. Happy holidays. Thanks for coming on the podcast. No problem. See you, dude. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest Gold-Rated Elixir and Low Compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.